Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us here at Believer's Victory Church. Today we have an inspiring, powerful message that will change your life. Let's listen in as Pastor Peggy Heal teaches us from the Word of God. It's so good to be here. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm glad to be in church. Can't wait to hear the message today. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, here we go. We're in our series on faith. Look at your neighbor and say, faith, because we need it. So we're in our series called Jump Into Faith, and uh, I know that you've been blessed by it. I've just been hearing great uh, testimonies about how we're strengthening our faith, we're stirring our faith, because you know, how many have figured out you need faith? Need it. Amen. How many got some situations you can't, you can't do on your own? Anybody? Anybody in here? You need God to help you. And God works through the method of faith. Amen? And you say, oh, why couldn't God? That's not for us to say. God said this is how to do it. We're going to jump on his plan. Amen? You know, the sooner in life you figure out that it's best to just jump on God's plan and quit trying to make uh, God jump on your plan. Do you hear that? And so, the better you figure, the sooner you figure that out, the better. You know, so often we're like, no, God, do it this way, do it this way. And God's like, uh, I already have a plan. Uh, hello. I already have a plan. And so the sooner we get on God's plan, the easier and the better things go. And so that's just a life lesson for us. But we're here. And today we talked about faith for the last few weeks. We've talked about how we all have faith. Amen. Everybody in this room, we've been given the measure of faith. We've talked about how important it is to develop the faith that we have. We've talked about that you don't need mountain-sized faith to move mountains. Amen? You can move mountains with just a mustard seed of faith. So if you're here today and you're like, oh, all I got's a little bit, you can do a lot with a little bit. Amen? So we've talked about the potential of faith with that seed of faith that we all have. And I reminded you, you know, when you go to Home Depot or Lowe's or wherever you go and in the, in the uh, garden section, they have that whole section, all those little packets of seeds, right? You know, they're not meant to stay there. How many figured that out? You know, a seed's not meant to stay in the package. A seed is meant to be planted, to be nourished, to grow and to develop and to produce fruit. Amen? To produce whatever it's supposed to produce. An apple seed is supposed to produce what? Apples. apples. We're on fire today. A tomato seed produces what? Woohoo! We're geniuses in here, right? And so what we're going to talk about today, because we've learned about the potential of faith, right? We learned that in, in Mark chapter 11. Last week, we just went all the way through Mark chapter 11. And, and today, we're going to talk about the process of faith. Amen? So now that we know we have it, how many know you got it? We know we got it. We know that whatever we have is enough to use. It's enough to use. So often, we we're like, and maybe you're like this, where if we don't, if we don't have everything, and this is, I'll tell you, this is the kind of person, if, you're, if you fall into this, I want to tell you, snap out of it, right? How many people you wait to get organized or get it together or to get a plan or to get moving in a direction because you're like, oh, I got to have the perfect planner, 
I got to have the perfect day timer. I got to have the perfect calendar. I got to have the perfect budget method. I got to have the perfect exercise method. I got to have the perfect diet. I got to have the perfect whatever. We're always like, oh, when I have this, then I'll get started. When I have this, then I'll get started. But here's the thing. We're trying to get more to pile on what we already have. But the truth of the matter is, right where you are right now, you have enough to get started. Amen? Amen? But we're always like, oh, I need, I need, you know, we are so saturated with knowledge. I mean, we're in the information age. There's nothing you, there's really nothing you can't find on Google. I mean, you can, you can, you guys, how many of us remember there was a time where you would be at dinner with your friends or your family and somebody would say, oh, so-and-so was in that movie. And then another one would say, no, he wasn't. And then the other person would say, yes, he was. And the other person would say, no, he wasn't. And you would sit there and argue about it, and nobody would know the answer, and you would argue about it through dinner, and then you would name all the other movies they were in and all the other things that they did, and you would discuss it and try to figure it out. And then possibly get mad and leave, knowing that you're right, and the other person thinks they're right. Anybody remember those, those kind of dinner conversations? Those days are over. Yep. Those days are gone. Because now it's just like, well, let's see. And we, we, we look it up. Right, yeah. And then we're like, and then we're like, nanny, 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 nanny. Right? Or we're like, okay, you're right. Right? Whichever attitude we have. We're in an information time where this, the answer to questions, we can find so much information. But if we're not careful, we'll get addicted to information and we won't have any action. And we do the same thing with the word. We're like, oh, when I read so-and-so's book or when I do this or when I do that or this or that, and we're always waiting for something to, before we act on what we know, so we're missing the process of faith. Amen? We're missing the process of it. Because we think we need to know more, we just need to take what we have, amen, because if you've been in this church, you've got enough to get going. Amen? There's just, you've got enough. So we've got to get going because faith without works is dead. And so the thing about it is we've got, we, we know the principles and we know the information and we know the verses and we know all this stuff. Hey, let's get moving on the process. Amen. Let's get moving on the process. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And here we have Jesus and, and we're going to be over in Mark 11. We're going to be in Mark 11, 24. Here we go. We're going to look. Jesus is going to take a little bit of a different approach to faith here. He's been talking about the potential of faith. We've been talking about that. And he's been teaching about the principle. And today we're going to talk about the process. And so here we got Jesus, and he's going to teach another lesson on faith. And the thing about it is he's going to use another plant as an example. How many know Jesus loved plants, right? Or he liked using them to teach us things. And so he's going to use another lesson because he used the, the mustard seed lesson was a lesson about the potential of faith, right? Because we all learn, man, if I just have a little tiny bit of faith, it has great potential. And so now we're going to look and we're going to see where Jesus is going to talk more about the process of it. So here we go. We're in Mark 11, 1123, 1123. We got it up here? Look at that. Here we go. 
No, you got 23? I'm sorry, my fault. Don't, don't look at them, it's me. It's me. It says, but Jesus says, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, how many are like, I know this verse. You've heard this before. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Verse number 24. Therefore, I say to you, this is Jesus talking, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. And so Jesus explains that with prayer and a heart of belief, without doubt, faith will work. That's what he's saying. He's saying prayer with a heart of belief, say heart of belief. Without doubt, and we're going to talk about what doubt is, faith will work it. And so it's interesting in this story that it's not a hypothetical situation. And we're going to look and see, because in, ver in Mark eleven twelve, 12, turn there, Mark 11, verse number 12, this isn't a hypothetical story that Jesus is teaching them this lesson of faith. It's something that the disciples actually witnessed. This is a bad day. If you want to title this message, it's a bad day for a fig tree. <laughs> This is a bad day for a fig tree. Bad day to be a fig tree. And so they witnessed firsthand the process of faith. They witnessed it in an action performed by Jesus. And here's where the story begins. The story begins around lunchtime. And in Mark eleven twelve, 12, it says, When they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. This is Jesus. He was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And so Jesus had been ministering in Bethany. He's on his way to do some more ministering in Jerusalem. And without having a break, they haven't had a chance to find something to eat. He's pretty hungry. And so we would guess, how many, how many know somebody, they get hangry when they're hungry, right? And so they got this whole group, you know, they're, they're hungry. And on his way to Jerusalem, a fig tree's on the side of the road. And in today's times, that would be like, how many have ever been driving down, you know, I-95? You're on a road trip. You're on 95. And you, you see the signs of what, what restaurants are there, right? And then you see Chick-fil-A, and then you remember it's Sunday, and you're just like all kind of disappointed because you know they're closed that day. You can't eat at Chick-fil-A. It'd be kind of similar situation, you know? And so Jesus, he's, he's wanting to eat something. He sees this fig tree. It has leaves on it. And, you know, and so then it says in verse number 13, and when he came to it, how many have ever driven up to Chick-fil-A on a Sunday by mistake? You know, you drive up and you're thinking, oh, I'm going, let's go get Chick-fil-A. I remember Scott, he, one day he was like, oh, I'm going to take you to lunch after church. I'm going to take you to lunch. I'm like, oh, great. You know, I go, where are we going? He goes, oh, it's a surprise. I want to take you somewhere. And so, so he goes driving. True story. He's not, he's not here. He's, he's going to be in second service. He was, he woke up late, partying tonight, last night, but, uh, um, not for real, I'm kidding. But um, anyway, so he goes, oh, we're, this is a true story. So he's driving, and I'm thinking, oh, are we going to Carabas? We're we going here. He's like, nope, nope, going to go to your favorite place. And so we pull up. He pulls up to Chick-fil-A. I'm like, babe, they're closed today. He's like, oh, I forgot they were closed on Sunday. And so, you know, we've, we've probably all done it, or we've thought about going there, right? The only way to get Chick-fil-A on a Sunday is by a Saturday, right? <laughs> then I don't know if it'd still be
be good or not. Anyway, let's focus here. I didn't have breakfast. Can you tell? All right. <laughs> and so, you know, here's Jesus. He's on a road trip. He's going. He sees the fig tree from afar off. He's hungry. He hasn't had lunch. And it says, when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. When the season for figs. In verse number 14, in response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. That's pretty dramatic, right? You know, this is Jesus. You know, so many people have this idea and this picture of Jesus being so easygoing. He really wasn't. He was not that easygoing. He, he had purpose. And he spoke his mind. And he, you know, he called things out. And so here he comes up to the fig tree and he's like, let no one eat from you ever again. If Jesus was going to Chick-fil-A on a Sunday, he'd be like, let no one eat from you ever again. Right? But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. So here we go. And so the thing that essentially what has happened to Jesus, he wasn't happy about the fact that he went to the tree, and it had leaves, but there were no figs. And so, again, in verse number 14, he declares, let no one, this is just such a dramatic statement. You know, we would think like, wow, you know, that's kind of, he must have really wanted those figs. Let no, but he's teaching us. Everything Jesus did, he's teaching us. And he's going to teach us through this. He said, let no one eat from you ever again. And so when we see this, Jesus curses the fig tree he curses it for having no fruit, right? He curses it for having no fruit. And this exchange with Jesus teaches us a couple of principles. And number one principle is this. Get ready. Hold on to your hat. Looking good is not enough. Looking good is not enough. Because the tree had leaves on it. So much so that it drew him because he said from afar off he saw the fig tree. And when he came to it. So it, it looked like it was going to have something on it. Or he wouldn't have went to it. And so when we see this and we see that Jesus says, let no one eat from you ever again because you don't have any figs. But it had leaves on it. And it, when we say, what does that teach me? It teaches me it's not enough to just be leafy. Leafy. It's not enough to just look good. It, that's not enough. And a lot of times what happens is, is sometimes we look like we're bearing fruit, but we're actually not. You know, just because you post amen on a post on Facebook, that is not fruit. You know, just because you share stuff, that's not fruit. I think so many people are substituting uh, uh, sharing and posting on social media for your relationship with Jesus. That is not the same. It's not even close. It's not even close. Sometimes, you know, I mean, I, I'm pretty privy to people's lives, you know, in my line of work. And sometimes, man, I'm looking on Facebook, and I'm like, dude, if your life was only that good. You know, I mean, seriously. You know, I don't post that, of course, you know. <laughs> But listen, I, I'm not anti-social media, but I'm, I'm anti it taking a place that's not it. It doesn't belong to it. And, I, and I'm anti not being authentic on it. Amen. You know, I'm just, not, I'm just not into that. That's another message, another day. But the thing is, is that 
Looking good is not enough. Just because we come to church, just because we say amen, just because we know all the right words to say and we got our Christian lingo down and while we're here at church, listen, just because you look like you have faith and appearing to have an abundance of faith is not the same as having faith. It's not the same. And I think a lot of times, especially with, <clears throat> I hesitate, I thought about, you know, just in preparing I think a lot of times, even in, <clears throat> excuse me, with um, a new generation, and it's not age, it's not a question of age, it's a question of spiritual maturity. So it's not age, it's not like, oh, the millennials. No, there's a lot of millennials who are on fire for Jesus doing amazing things for God that are amazing people. And there's a lot of people that have been in church for 20 years that are not bearing fruit. You know, so it, it's not a question of, it's not about age physical age. But I think a lot of times what's happening is people are getting born again recently and just in the things of God recently, we're, we're substituting even, even, you know, just because you worship all the time doesn't mean you have faith. It's not the same. It's not the same. And so what Jesus, what shows me here is, hey, just because you look good doesn't mean it's all, it's all good. Just because you look good doesn't mean it's all good. The fig tree was putting on a convincing enough show that Jesus came closer to it to have a second look. But it didn't have what it, it didn't have any fruit. And the second thing that this shows me, what I can learn from this, remember we're just, during this series, we're taking just a few verses and we're just stretching them out and just getting everything we can out of it. This is called Bible study. Amen. And another thing it shows me is fruit is an expectation. You're expected to produce fruit. I'm expected to produce fruit. Jesus expected to find figs on the fig tree. No one expects a rock to bloom with figs or a patch of dirt to spring up with apples and oranges, right? But when you plant a fig tree, you expect it to produce figs. And as Christians, we're expected to produce fruit. Our faith, listen to me, our faith isn't just for show. Our walk with Jesus isn't just for show. Our time in worship isn't just for show. It's to produce. Amen? It's to produce stuff. And so when we have faith, we're expected to use it and be productive with it. So if we have faith, which we know we all have, and we've got that mustard seed of faith, Jesus is expecting that mustard seed to produce something. And if it isn't, well, it's up to us to use our faith. Because here's the next thing I learned from this. Number one, looking good is not enough. Number two, fruit is expected. And number three, eventually you're going to be examined. Isn't that, what, isn't that what Jesus did? He went over and looked. He went to that fig tree and he, he looked for fruit. All of us, Jesus is looking for fruit in us. Amen? We're going to be examined. We're going to be examined. Because in Mark eleven thirteen, 13, he says, He found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And here's the thing. On the surface, that doesn't really seem very fair. And there's those of us in here, you know, we're, we're you know, my, my husband, I'm always taking it, you know, the other day Mozzie did something. And I was like, 
oh, yeah, but, you know, whatever. And Scott goes, oh, there's Mozzie's lawyers talking. Mozzie's lawyers on the scene. Because, <laughs> you know, I just, I don't know, it's just in me. I just want to take up for people and everything. So this fig tree, I'm like, oh, well, it really wasn't even the season for fig trees, you know. Have a little break, you know. Give the fig tree a little break. Jeez, Jesus. You know, I mean, let no one eat from you ever. I mean, I'm just like, wow, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty harsh. That's pretty harsh. But here's the thing. We're learning from this, and this is what it's going to show me. There is no off-season for fruit. You don't have an off-season for faith. Faith is not seasonal. We can't go through seasons where we're walking in faith and seasons where we're producing and then go through other seasons where nothing's going on because we're like, we're on, we're on hiatus. No, you better be ready all the time. We got to be ready all the time. And I think that's what Jesus is showing. He's like, listen, it's not enough to look good. It's, it's not enough to be leafy. It's not enough. You're expected to have fruit, and you're expected to have fruit in every season. You know, here, here on Sunday, you know, one thing that I, that I say, I say, every Sunday matters. Amen. Every Sunday matters. You know, there's a part of me, you know, because I'm just like you, there's a part of me that's like, oh, you know, you know, I'll just, I'll just do this. And I'm like, no, 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 every Sunday matters. Because you don't know who's going to be here every Sunday. Amen. Every, all 52, every year, they matter. We don't get to take them off. You know, they say that past pastors, a very high, very high stress job. It has, you know, the, just, you know, if you study the statistics of pastors and their lives, and, you know, it can be kind of like, wow, man, that's pretty sad. But one of the reasons why is because Sunday's always coming. Every, every week, have you figured that out, there's a Sunday. <laughs> Every week there's a Sunday. You know, Sunday's always coming. Every Sunday matters. You can't pick up that burden. You got to trust the Lord and his grace. And that's how, you, that's how you keep doing it year after year. That's how you do it. But the thing is, we can't, we can't think like, oh, you know, I'm just going to sit. And I've, I've heard people say this. They're just like, oh, you know what? I, I just, you know, I've got this going on and I've got this going on. And, you know, I, I'm just going to take a little step back from, from God and the things of church and, and all this. And I'm just kind of looking at them like, you're taking a step back from your life support. You're taking a step back from the oxygen of your life. You're taking a step back from the blood that flows through you. You don't take a step back from essentials. Amen? You don't, you don't, you're not an off-season for the essentials of life. That's just silly. And that's what Jesus is showing here. Because he, the, the Bible makes a point to say it wasn't the season for figs, but Jesus still expected it. He still looked for it. He still wanted it. You know why? Because he's showing us you're going to be examined because things happen when you don't think they're going to. That's why you can't wait to say, oh, well, when this happens, then I'll get serious about my faith. No, because when that happens, you're going to need it before then. You're going to need it. Man, don't wait till your marriage is on the rocks to work on it. Don't wait until you're, you get a bad doctor report to, to find out about the healing power of Jesus. Don't wait to get your head out of you know where before you get it together. Because it's going to be a whole lot harder work to do then. Is it possible? Of course it's still possible because of the mercy and grace of God. 
But man, if you've got fruit all the time, when you need it, it's there. Amen? When you need it, it's there. So there's, there's what I learned from here, just from Jesus going over to that big tree. Listen, looking good is not enough. There's more to, there's more to our life with Christ than just looking good and sounding good. Some people are so caught up with how they sound, they're, they're not thinking about how they live. Do you hear that? So busy on how you sound, man, I want to sound like I got it together. I want everybody to think I got it together. Man, that's not enough. You got to actually get it together. Because it's going to catch up. And we see that happening. We see that happening right now in the Christian community. We see it happening. Where, where our faith hasn't taken the root that it needs. It hasn't been nourished the way it needs to, be, needs to be nourished. It hasn't been built. It hasn't been fed. It hasn't been used. And then we wonder why we're weak. Wonder why, you know, the Bible says that this is not in my notes, so, so it's not in my notes. But in, when we take communion, it says this is why many are, are weak and sick among you. And they sleep. Another translation says they die early. So why is that? Because we haven't come back, like that song that we sing, the NIE sings, come back to communion. Come back to our relationship. Our communion is being one with God. Come back to that. We say, why, why do we have these things happening? Because we need to come back to communion. We need to come back to it not just being about how popular we are or how spiritual we sound, but actually being spiritual. Actually being a child of God in my actions, my words, my deeds. To the, not that I'm perfect, because God's not through with me yet. Amen? That's what's one of our things. We say, hey, you're right, I'm not perfect. When somebody says, oh, I thought you were a Christian, say, you're right, I'm not perfect, but God's still working on me. I'm a work in progress. Amen? But I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to keep going backwards. And so Jesus shows me that, listen, eventually I'm going to be examined. I think in the body of Christ we've talked so much about grace, which is awesome, but we need to be reminded there's also accountability. There's also a day where we will stand before the throne of God himself. Not to determine as a believer if I'm going to go to heaven or hell. That's already been determined when I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Yes. Amen. Thank God. For a believer, I'm going to bypass that throne of judgment. I'm not going to go there. But there's another one where I'm going to go and Jesus is going to be like, hey, what'd you do? What have you been doing for the last 80 years? What have you been doing for the last 85, however old you are when you get there? And we're going to give account. We're going to give account. And as believers, we don't like to talk about this because we're like, oh, grace, mercy. That's true. But I will receive rewards based on how I live my life on this earth. That's a true statement. And that's not to scare you. And it shouldn't scare you because God is all love and God is grace. It is to inspire me. I'm not saved by works. I'm saved for works for the working of the kingdom. Amen? That's, that's my role here. That's your role here. We serve a mighty God. And so there's going to be a day where, you know, we're going to, God's going to examine our fruitfulness, whether we're ready for him or not. 
whether we're ready or not. And so as you're looking at your tree, which is you, you need to say, hey, is there any fruit here? Is there any, is there any, is there any product of my faith? Is there a product? That's what fruit is. It is a product of the seed that was planted. What's, what's there? How often do we tend to put off working on our faith and just sticking with looking the part? I was at church. Listen, I'm going to let you in on something. There are a lot of you here today, but there are some of you who are here, but you are not here. And you do it every week. And you think nobody notices. I notice. But more importantly, God notices. I'm not interested in your show. I'm interested in your life and where it's headed and what's going on. Nobody cares about your show but you and maybe the other shallow people you hang out with. That's just truth. Because here's the thing. You say, oh, that's pretty harsh, Pastor Rick. I will stand before God. And the Bible says that there is a, a greater, uh, what's the word I'm Judgment. There's a judge, greater accountability that I have. It says teachers will be held to a higher accountability. And I take that serious. I take that more serious than I take whether you like me or not. I take it way more serious. Because eternity is longer than the few years I'll have you. Eternity is a long time. And what I do here prepares me for there. I don't know why we're going there, but it's good. It's truth. It's truth. We need to be reminded. Because we live in a time, we've been taught so much about the grace of God. And the forgiveness of God. And, that, and, and I, you know, believe me, I'm all about that. I am a product of God's, we all are products of God's forgiveness, of God's grace. But there is a maturity that must come with our walk with God. There's a maturity that must come. Just like uh, we don't have the same rules in the nursery as we have in 6 to 11 class. In the nursery, we'll let little kids just sit and cry if they want. Right? And they can be demanding and they can throw fits and we're like, oh, it's a baby. That's just it's a baby. But if they're doing that in six to eleven, we'd be like, we're getting your parent. You know? You know, <laughs> I don't fly here. Why? Because you grow. You gotta grow up. If you're still acting like you're in the nursery, hello, you're not. <laughs> You're not. And so there's a maturity that has to come. And so when I, when I hear this and I read this, I'm like, man, I'm going to get examined. I'm going to get examined. How many of you are going to go get your yearly physical and all of a sudden you stop eating sugar and start getting it together? And, you know, and you're just like, man, I'm going to get examined. i got to get it together. <laughs> right? All of a sudden we're, we think that one week of salads is going to make up for three months of everything else, you know? <laughs> That's not how that works. Or you go to get your teeth cleaned and suddenly you start flossing and then you go and the hygienist is like, have you been flossing? Yes, I have. For exactly two days. Right? And we, we think they can't tell. They can tell. They know. 
And so we can't put it off because we're going to need that fruit. We're going to get examined. We're going to get examined. And it's going to be done with love and mercy, but it's still going to be done. And rewards will be given out based on what, they, what Jesus sees. Amen? That's just truth. That's truth. And the next thing I learned, I learned from here is that faith is the key. Faith is the key. And so when we look down here at Mark, trying to get back on my notes here, Mark eleven twenty, we see like the, what happens before this. Because, or after this, actually. The next morning after Jesus says, no one will eat from you ever, right? The next morning, the disciples are, saw, they see exactly what happens. Because now it says, now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree. Which fig tree? The same one. They saw the fig tree dried up from its roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look. Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And so they're going back by. Peter remembers, wait a minute. That's the same fig tree that Jesus spoke to yesterday. And now it had leaves. Now it's withered at its roots. And he's like, Rabbi, look at this. Look at this. <laughs> I will never be able to say that again. Because here's what happens. You know, Jesus is showing us the potential of our faith, which is pretty powerful. Amen. He's showing us the potential. And so we have a choice. We can either be like, oh, man, I could never do that. But Jesus is showing what your faith can do to get yours doing something. Amen? And so when we look here and we see faith is the key, and it can be intimidating to see what Jesus demonstrated with his, and we can say, you can check yourself out, or maybe another person in the body of Christ is like, man, I, I can never do what they're doing. But you know what? Jesus is showing us potential, but he's also showing us the process. He's showing us what it is. And here's the thing. Don't, when you start getting intimidated by your faith, you're, having, you're leaving God out of it. Nothing is impossible without God. Listen to this statement. The power of his promise is only meaningful in the power of his person. The power of his promise is only meaningful in the power of his person. And that's why last week we said, you can't, you can't have faith without knowing God. And the more you know him, the more you know the power behind the promise, it stirs your faith and it will help you, right? It's going to help you do it. But Jesus sets the bar high to show us the potential of our faith. Your faith has potential to do amazing things, but it's got to be used. And the next thing I hear here is from this, this scripture is don't, don't let your doubts be louder than your faith. And now we're going to get to that verse that we all know. Mark eleven twenty two. 22. So after the disciples saw Jesus' faith in action, and they witnessed that fig tree that he cursed the day before, and it literally shriveled up. This isn't a parable Jesus was showing. It's a physical example that he gave. Jesus explained the process. He said, this is what your faith can do, and this is how to do it. Amen? How many want to know how to do it? We, we all know. We just got to do it. Mark eleven twenty two. He said, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, 
be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. And so when we, when we read that, Jesus is saying, remember, remember what happened? Jesus showed them the power of his words. He showed them what faith could do. And when they were shocked by it, Rabbi, look! He said, here's how you do it. The word doubt, because that's where we all kind of get messed up, isn't it? He says, when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, right? But we don't doubt. Doubt literally means to differ. That's what it means. To differ. To be uncertain. And this scripture shows me that faith requires two locations. Two locations. I think we got it up here. You got a slide for that? Two locations. It needs to be in my mouth, what I say, and it's got to be in my heart, what we believe. There can, and here's what, here's what Jesus is saying. He said, there can be no difference be, by, between what I believe in my heart, say heart, what I believe in my heart and what I say with my mouth. Otherwise, faith isn't going to work. Isn't that what Jesus said? And so when we're looking at this, and this is not the only place that we see this. Paul wrote in Romans, he said this in Romans 10, 9. He said that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And here's what doubt is. Doubt is simply when our hearts aren't truly believing what our mouths are saying. Or vice versa. When my mouth is saying, I don't believe it in my heart. Or my heart is believing, but I'm not saying it with my mouth. Jesus shows me through the scripture that faith has two different, has two places. It's got to be located in my heart and my mouth. In my heart and my mouth. Isn't that what Jesus said? We're like that fig tree. When our heart and our mouth, when we don't line up, two things can happen. We're like the fig tree, full of leaves and no fruit. We look good. We look good. That's when our mouths are saying all the right things, but deep down in our hearts, we aren't really sure we believe it. We look good, but the faith isn't in both locations. Or we're like the shriveled up tree. When our heart believes something that our mouths never say, articulate, never speak. Not only are we not bearing fruit, but we're effectively killing our faith by not letting it work. The belief in my heart, when it comes, when it goes unarticulated or unspoken, will grow smaller and smaller until it shrivels up and dies. Your heart and your mouth are, need to be connected. But so often we have our mouth and our brain connected. And we're wondering, why isn't anything changing? Because you're leaving the faith part out. This part of me reasons. This part of me thinks only by what it sees. It's that, that practical wisdom. And it's a good thing. We need this part of us. We need that part of us. This part of me is also where emotions are. And my emotions can be like, this is how I feel. This is how I feel. This is what I want. But we're trying to, we, we want what the word says. 
And so if I'm only speaking what this part wants, I'm going to be self-centered, self-controlled, self-guided, self-everything, because that's all that's up here. God's not up here. He's in my spirit. He's in the heart of a man, the spirit of a man. Amen? And so if I'm never articulating and I'm saying, if I will connect what is here and with what's with the word, if I'll connect the three, the word, into my heart and let it come out of my mouth, I can change anything. I can change a marriage. I can change a profession. I can change finances. I can move mountains. But my faith has to be located in two spots. And if it's not, I'm going to be like that tree. I mean, they're going to say all the right stuff, but never really believe it. Or I'm going to believe it, but never say it. And Jesus is showing us that God loves to talk about faith. He talks about faith all through the word. And you know what? Jesus concludes what he's teaching the disciples by telling them, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Say, how do, how do you get faith that strong? How do you get faith that strong? Listen, that's where Jesus was. Jesus spoke to a fig tree and it shriveled up. And maybe we're not there yet, but we got to get there. Amen. And we can get there by continually using our faith every day. When you use a muscle every day, it gets stronger. You ever see people that just have babies? They just have babies. They have those giant car seats and they lug them around like this, right? I remember my, my niece, Nicole, she was lugging around that thing all over. And then all of a sudden I started looking at her arm. I was like, you better switch arms. She goes, why? I go, look at your arm. Man, you're developing that muscle in your arm because you're lugging that thing around. You're lifting it, you know, so many times a day. I said, you need to switch arms. Why? Because she used it so much. She used it every day. She used it. It, it grew. It developed. Amen. And you know what? The same thing is true for our faith. You may not, you know, we're not going to walk out to one of the plants and be like, I curse you, right? We're not going to do that because we're not flaky, weird people. Don't do that. But you know what? Can we, can we start speaking over some things? Can we start exercising our faith over some things? Can I, can I read the word when it comes to healing? Can I get the, the word of God about healing into me so much? And then I believe it. And once I believe it, then I start speaking it. And it begins to change things in my body. And I know that works. I've done it. I've done it. Can we do that? Yeah, we can. We can. What's the process of faith? The process of faith is getting my mouth and my heart doing what God told it to. And when you say, well, what about the doubt? It says, doesn't doubt in my heart. Your mind can be going, how's that going to work out? That doesn't even make sense. That's, that's not possible. That, you know, whatever your mind is saying. But when you've got the word and you've heard the word and it's produced faith in your heart, your heart says, but God. But God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and his glory. But God has healed my body by the stripes that Jesus bore on his back. But God has cleansed me of all unrighteousness and forgiven me for every sin. But God. And when I get those two connected, 
and I'm doing the process of faith, it can change things. Amen? You know, there are times in life, there are times when, when, we don't, when, when our feelings are wanting to do one thing, but the word of God and covenant says another. That's the time you have to make a decision. I'm going to stay in covenant with God. I'm going to stay according to the word of God. I'm not going to go off with my thinking. I want to make myself align with God. And we do that with what we believe in our heart, confessing it with our mouth. That's why you're, what you say is so important. Because your mouth is either going to connect to doubt or your mouth is going to connect to faith. It's up to you. It's up to you. Amen? We all have faith. You, we all have something for our words to connect to. Every one of us in here, you've got, you've got a little bit of faith. You've got a little bit of faith. We all have something that our words can connect to. We just have to make the choice. I'm going to speak the word. I'm going to believe it in my heart and speak it out of my mouth and believe that those things that I've prayed, I receive them. Amen? And we're going to talk more about the process of faith next week. Because I don't know about you, but there's things that need to be processed in my life. <laughs> when you look at something and say, man, that needs to be processed through faith. I need to use, I need to put my faith on that. Don't just take something because you feel that way. Man, if you follow your feelings, you're going to get yourself in a whole mess. You're going to get yourself in a mess. Because number one, feelings are very self-centered. But if you follow God, God will always lead you to the best pathway for your life. Amen? The best pathway for your life. And faith is what's gonna, what it takes to get there. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for everybody here in this room today, Lord, that our faith has been stirred.